Hey guys, good morning, afternoon, or nighttime, whenever you're listening to this. For me, it's five in the morning right now, but I just wanted to read y'all two stories that, there's three stories actually, but two specifically that I want to read from the book, The Slide Edge by Jeff Olson. I had read this book before, and surprisingly, these two stories, I had not read them till yesterday. Because I know I can't be the only person that skips the preface. Well, if I am, that's where these were. I just like to start reading at chapter one, page, like start reading there. But these, when I went back, I kind of like that I had found them because it was like I had another story to read. But the message was loud for me personally. So I'm just going to go ahead and read them to you. Two frogs. One night, two frogs left the safety of their swamp and ventured into a nearby farm to explore. They soon found themselves in dairy, hopping and jumping around. Frogs will be frogs after all. They jumped into a milk pail half full of cream. At first, they were both thrilled. They had never tasted anything so delicious. They drank and drank. Soon, after some contented frog belches followed by much giggling, They were both full-bellied and getting just a bit sleepy. Time to get out of here and head back to the the swamp for some shut-eye, burped the first frog. But there was a problem. They'd had no trouble hopping in, but how to hop out. The inside of the pail was too slippery to climb, and there was nothing on which they could place their feet for traction to get up a good hopping distance, or any hopping distance at all. The awful reality dawned on them. They were trapped. Frantic, they began to thrash around, their little frog feet scrambling for a foothold on the elusive, slippery curve of the pail's edge. Finally, the second frog cried out, It's no use! We're doomed! Let us save what dignity we have left and die here like frogs with our eyes facing our homeland. The first frog, the first frog cried out to, to stop him. No, we should never give up. When we were tadpoles, which of us would have ever dreamed that someday we would be emerged from the water and hop out on land, swim on and pray for a miracle? The second-eyed frog The second frog eyed his brother and sadly said, "There are no miracles in the life of a frog, brother. Farewell." And so saying, he turned his face in the direction of the swamp, gave a sigh, and slowly sank out of sight. But the first frog refused to give up. He continued to swim. He swam and he swam in ridiculous, pointless, useless, futile circles, hoping against hope for a miracle. Fired by adrenaline, he paddled mightily. Yet, his brother's dying words clutched at his thoughts. Even more insidious than the growing fatigue that tugged at his weakening muscles. Was my brother right? He thought desperately. Am I a fool? Are there no miracles in the life of a frog? Finally, he could swim no more. And with a great cry of anguish, he stopped paddling and let go, ready to face his fate like a frog. But something odd then happened, or rather, didn't happen. He didn't sink. 
He just sat exactly where he was, ever so tentatively. He stretched out a foot, and it felt like something solid. He heaved a big sigh, both sad and grateful, said a silent farewell to his drowned brother, then scrambled on to the top of the big lump of butter he had just finished churning, and hopped out of the pail and off to the swamp, alone but alive. The Choice A wealthy man, nearing the end of his days, summoned his twin sons to his bedside. Before he died, he told them he wanted to pass on to them the opportunity to experience the riches of life that he had enjoyed for his many years on earth. If I could do so, I would give you both the world, he told his boys. But this is not possible, for even I do not own the entire world and everything in it. But there are three treasures I had the good fortune to experience in my life, and it is my fondest wish, my dying wish, that both of you would have these three treasures. The first gift is easy to give, and never runs out. I have been giving it to you both since you were born, and dying in peace, knowing that you both already have it in abundance. The second gift is easy to give, but not always easy to have. For some, it never runs out, while for others, it constantly runs out. This gift I give you now, but whether or not you keep it up will be up to you. The third gift is impossible to give, but can only be gained. I have been showing it to you both your entire lives, but cannot say whether or not you will have gained it. This gift I cannot give you, but I can give you the opportunity to see it one last time before I die. The boys both wept to hear their father speak of his approaching death, but he smiled and bade them hush with a wave of his hand. I see you grave, but in that grief you may be happy, for it is evident of the first gift, which you have in abundance. Do you know what the first gift is? The two boys dried their tears and furrowed their brows in deep thought. Easy to give and never runs out. Suddenly the first boy clapped his hands and said, Love. The first gift is love. The father smiled. The boy was right. And the second gift? He asked them. They again became quiet with thought. Easy to give, but not always easy to have. The second boy looked up with a start. Money? Is the second gift money? It was indeed. For some, it never runs out, while for others, it constantly runs out. And the third, impossible to give can only be gained. This time, both boys remained buried in thought. Neither could come up with an answer. The father smiled again, a little sadly this time. He lifted a beautiful liqueur box from the bedside table onto his lap, opened it, and looked inside. I offer you both a choice. He beckoned with the boys to move closer. One month from now, you both will turn 21. I will no longer be with you, for my life has run its course. On that day, 31 days from now, I have been instructed my most trusted advisors to execute a document that will 
beneath my home, my treasury, my estate, all that I possess to the good people of this land who have treated me with kindness all these years. This place, which has been our home together for these 21 years, will become a public trust. I will be well on my way to the next world, and the two of you will set off to make your way in this one. Yet I do not wish you to set foot on this journey empty-handed. My last gift to you on the day of your departure will be a purse to finance your adventures. What goes into each purse is your choice. He reached both hands into the box and then held them out to the boys. In one hand, he held a sheaf of 1,000 crisp, new $1,000 bills. One million dollars. Cash. In the other hand, he held a shiny new copper penny. If you take the million in cash, you may take it with you or leave it in your purse for safekeeping until the day of your journey. Your purse will be held by my treasury director. If you take the penny, you may also take it with you, or you can leave it in your purse. However, if you choose the penny, my treasury director has instructions to double the contents of your purse every day. He took out another box, identical to the first, opened it, and took out another stack of $1,000 bills and another penny. Here is one million, here is one penny. You each have the same choice to make. Whatever you do not take, I will return to my treasury and add it to my estate. Now go, rest, and think. Tomorrow morning, come back and tell me your choice. All night, the first boy lay in bed thinking, what should I do? What should I take? What is the lesson? The second boy lay awake too. But he asked himself different questions. He made his decision before his father, and he had finished the sentence. He made the decision before his father had finished the sentence. Now he was making careful plans for what to do in the next 30 days. 31 days, excuse me. When morning came, the second boy sprang into action. After securing the million in cash from his father, he hired a sharp consultant and a manager to help him execute his carefully wrought plans. They rented out a hotel in which they conducted exhaustive back-to-back interviews for the next six days. By weekends, they had hired a staff of the finest financial advisors in the land. The boys' new Cracker Jack Money Man team spent the second week in extensive, round-the-clock brainstorming sessions, drafting proposal after proposal, seeking the smartest, most coefficient investment and leveraging strategies, both long-term and short-term, to help the wealthiest man's son turn his million into a genuine fortune. By week three, the best plan had been selected, winnowed, examined, combed, explored, game theoried, road tested, computer simulated, and dissected. With all their I's dotted and their T's crossed, the boys' advisors were locked and loaded and ready to rumble. Off they went into the battlefield of commerce and speculation. The boy spent the next few days keeping in close contact with his far-flung financial team by the telephone. 
but by midweek it seemed clear that things were in that things were well in hand and he was not needed he decided to pay a visit to his brother whom he had not seen since the breakfast on the morning after that long sleepless night when he arrived at their home he was shocked to hear his brother's account of the past few weeks after that exciting breakfast the first boy who had also paid a visit to his father but without explaining why he announced that he had made the second choice he had taken the penny left it in the purse then returned to his room and began reading from one of his favorite books the second day he visited again and was allowed to peek in the purse the shiny new penny had been joined by a companion on the third day he found four pennies on the fourth day there were eight and on the 15th on the 5th 16th then 32 by the end of the week just as his brother's ace financial team was assembling in the beautiful hotel suite for the first time he was amazed he was amassed a nest of 64 cents by the end of week two with nearly half the month gone his piles of pennies had just swelled to just shy of 92 dollars 81 dollars and 92 cents to be exact on the day his brother's financial team hit the streets and went out into the world ready to turn his million into billions his purse had not yet accumulated a hundred dollars he would not have been able to even purchase a decent dinner for two at the fine hotel where his brother's suite had been humming with action for the two weeks now a few days into the third week the purse's contents had grown a bit more he now had a sum of six hundred and fifty five dollars and thirty six cents he proudly pointed out easily enough to sustain him on the road for a full week but you poor sap his brother cried on hearing his story i can't believe you went for the penny it's not too late visit our father see if he will relent and give you your own million or if he insists in staying with the amounts then even just half the million it's better than scrappling by on the few paltry hundred and if he refuses you've got to let me help i can't stand the idea of you venturing out into the world with scarcely enough to feed yourself for a week but the brother seemed unperturbed and wouldn't hear of it later that week the wealthy man called his son to him one more time spent several hours with them sharing memories and telling stories they both left him in good spirits though the second boy was secretly very worried about his brother's prospects that night the old man died peacefully in his sleep towards the end of week four the second boy's top advisors brought him some worrisome news the markets it seemed had gone a bit soft taken a bit of a tumble actually the team had acted quickly and salvaged what they could, but their earlier rosy projects would most certainly needed to be revised downward. 
The boy thanked them for their vigilance and waited, fretted and anxious. At the close of the week, the team brought mixed news. Some investments had performed quite well. Others had suffered. All in all, the boy had made a modest gain. Starting with his one million in cash, his team had succeeded in parlaying that into nearly one and a half million. Unfortunately, his expenses, including their commission, tax, bills for the hotel, broker fees, and the rest, came to just over half a million. The boy had ended the month with just a little bit less than where he started. In a panic, he rushed to see his brother to see how far he was with his $655.36, only to receive yet another shock. On day 28, his brother's purse of pennies had passed the million-dollar mark. On day 29, the two-and-a-half-million-dollar mark. Yet, on day 30, it had doubled to more than $5 million. The boy who had chose the penny discovered the extraordinary power that some would have called the eighth wonder of the world. The remarkable creative force of compound interest. And today, the boy who chose the penny was worth more than $10 million. To be exact, $10,737,400. Wait. Ten, ten million, seven hundred thirty-seven thousand, four hundred eighteen, and twenty-four cents. A question: Two boys, two frogs, two powerful choices: riches or poverty, life or death. You are making those same choices every day, every hour. The choices you are making are spreading out throughout your life, just like the water, the water flower. I didn't read that story, but you may not see the results today or tomorrow or even next year. In fact, by the time you do see the results, the process will probably be so far along that the surface of the pond will be completely covered. Again, that was from the first story, but I did not read that one. The question is, covered with what? When the wealthy man spoke to his son, the second boy thought he was offering them a choice of which money to take. But the first boy listened more carefully. He remembered that money was only the second gift. He understood that the choice was not whether to take the penny or the sheaf of bills. The choice was whether or not to take the third gift. Wisdom. The lesson was not about money, it was about wisdom. It was a lesson about compound interest, leverage, geometric progression and growth. It was a lesson about the slight edge. The choice of a wealthy man offered his two sons is the same choice the world offers you, every day and every hour, sickness or health, poverty or abundance, deepening loneliness or alienation or a rich and growing circle of friends. So those are 
those were the two stories that I wanted to read y'all today. I thought that they might be helpful, or at least enjoyable to listen to, because I enjoyed reading them. It's about the slide edge, which is about making the small choices every day. The little things that you may not notice that you're doing every day can add up to a big result, big progress. And sometimes we all need a reminder that the little things that we do every day, they do matter. And the choices that we have every day do matter. And it's fun if you look at it like a journey. If you think of yourself as a penny, you think of the choices you're making as a penny, doubling every day. So, I found it encouraging. Hopefully you did as well. It's kind of like when I met with my advisor the other week and he told me, This is just for, like, college, of course, but he was like, it's really not a race. It's a test of endurance, and I don't enjoy seeing people fall off either, like, not making it far. But when he said that to me, my point of view, like, switched, where I was like, I'm making it through. I'm going to push through, because... I have to have this endurance but it seems like so much when you try to race to the finish but it's not about getting it all done fastest it's about doing the little things every day y'all keep improving until next time